the ministration. Again, my name is Pastor Joe, and on behalf of Reverend Dr. Anthony T. Texan, I welcome you all to today's ministration. Let's get into uh, prayer. Let's pray, and then we get into the Word of God. Almighty God, I thank you for making it even possible for us to be up and about, and for us to be here, and for us to gather, even on social media, to feed on your word, to dine on your word. We give you all the glory and honor in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you even for those who are commuting as far as we are here to this place of worship, to this branch of Zion for safe trans transportation mercies on the highways and the byways in Jesus' mighty name. And we declare your goodness fills the whole place. I yield myself totally as a servant, as an under-shepherd of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, minister through me. Affect lives, change lives, win souls for the kingdom. In the power of God Almighty, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, our High Priest, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I make this declaration this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, I thank you, Almighty God. Amen. Okay. So today's ministration, uh, we'll be talking about an Omer, O-M-E-R, an Omer for every person, an Omer for every person. And as we go through, through the ministration, you'll find out that an, the Omer actually declares God's sufficiency for his people. So an Omer per person, God's sufficiency, our God is sufficient. And indeed, our God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, all what we need. And once we have him, all our needs are met according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. We make this declaration of faith and we thank you, almighty God, for making it possible for us to even be here in Jesus' mighty name. So I will go on ahead and then read um, our scripture. It's a lengthy one, but I'll read it. And um, we'll follow the outline. Now, before I do that, I would like to give you a backdrop of what was going on before we got to this very scripture where God declared or where Moses, through Moses, that the people of Israel out there in the wilderness, right after Mara, after bitter waters, and their memory, God said, okay, I will feed you with bread from heaven. And I will feed you for your generations. So the bread from heaven, the manna is bread from heaven. And we see how it filters through to the messianic connotation of what this bread, of this uh, Oma is. So I'll read uh, the main scripture. It's a lengthy one, as I said. Exodus 16, 13 through 36. Exodus 16, 13 through 36. It says, and it came to pass that at even, the quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning, the dew lay around 
or lay round about the host. And when the dew that lay was gone, behold, upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing, as small as they are, frost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, It is manna, for they wist not what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord had given you to eat. Make a note of that. This is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. I am the bread of life. Jesus said, he is the bread of life. And he is the bread that came down from heaven. So this is what is, he said over here, he said, this is the bread which the Lord had given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord had commanded. Gather of it every man according to his eating. An omer for every man according to the number of your presence. An omer for every man according to the number. You know, to the people who are in your home. Okay. So, take ye every man for them which are in his tent, and the children of Israel did so, and gathered some more, some less. And when they did meet it with an omer, he that had gathered much had nothing over. And he that had gathered little had no lack. Exodus 16, verses 13 to 36. And verse 18 on, it says, And when they did meet it with an omer, he that gathered much had nothing over, and he that gathered little had no lack. They gathered every man according to his eating. And Moses said, Let no man leave of it till the morning. Notwithstanding, they hearkened not. They hearkened not unto Moses. But some of them left of it until the morning. And it bred worms and stank. And Moses was wroth with them. And they gathered it every morning, every man according to his eating. And when the sun was waxed, when the sun waxed hot, it melted. And it came to pass that on the sixth day they gathered twice as much, two omes for one man. And all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses, and he said unto them, this is that which the Lord had said. Tomorrow is the rest of the Holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake that which ye will bake today and see, uh, see it that ye will see, right? And that which remained over lay up for you to be kept until the morning. And they laid it up till the morning as Moses bade. And okay, they laid up in the morning as um, Moses bade, and it did not stink, neither was there any worm therein. And Moses said, Eat that today, for today is a Sabbath unto the Lord. Today you shall not find it in the field. Six days ye shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, in it there shall be none. And it came to pass that they 
Uh, there went out some of the people on the seventh day together, <coughs> and they found none. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long refuse ye to keep my commandment and my laws? See, for that the Lord had given you the Sabbath, therefore he giveth you on the sixth day the bread of two days. Abide ye every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day, and the house of Israel called the name thereof manna, and it was like coriander seed, white. It says it was like, it's not coriander seed, it was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. So the taste was like wafers made with honey. Okay. And Moses said, this is the thing which the Lord commanded. Fill an omer of it to be kept for your generations. Fill an omer of the living bread, of the bread to be kept for your generations. Fill an omer of it to be kept for your generations. But that omer that was filled and to be kept for the generation, that didn't stink. That didn't rot. Okay, let me read on. So fill an omer to be kept for your generations, that they may see the bread wherewith I fed you in the wilderness, when I brought you forth from the land of Egypt. And Moses said unto Aaron, Take a pot and put an omer full of manna therein, and lay it up, up, um, up before the Lord to be kept for your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up, before the testimony to be kept. And there, and the children of Israel did eat manna for 40 years until they came to the land inhabited. They did eat manna until they came unto the borders of the land of Canaan. Now an omer is a tenth part of an ephah. Now an omer is a tenth part of an ephah. I like it. I like the way God is specific about what he commands people to do. And then he even gives us, I mean, he even gives us, you know, the, the measurement, he doubles down, gives us what an Oma is. Now, can you please turn into the outline? I typed up um, the measurement. Okay, so go to page, page, um, Page number 16 of the outline. Page number 16 of the outline. It says, Jewish measures and their modern day equivalences. For dry measure, an omer is one-tenth of an ephah, and that is about 0.7 gallons. For those who are in the uh, system international, it's 3.3 liters. So 0.7 gallons. So now, this is what is at stake. God rains manna from above, and he tells them, gather unto you and unto those in your tent, each person, an omer. An omer. So in the sight of God, an omer of manna was enough for each and every person to 
sustain them divinely. Okay. Now, in the wilderness journey, remember when the people of Israel left Mizraim, um, Egypt, they had with them their sheep and a lot of possessions. I do believe this is not the only thing that they probably ate. Right? I don't know. Scripture doesn't tell me. But I'm inclined, you know, for some reason I would say that maybe there was something else. But God is saying over here that an omer for each person was good enough to sustain you. So an omer for each person. And then in God's divine grace and wisdom and his love for his people, he provides twice as much on the sixth day. And he tells them, go gather. So they go and they gather. But then on the sixth day, whatever they gathered that was over, it didn't stink. And he made that divine provision for them, even for the Sabbath, that they don't have to go anywhere. They have to observe the Sabbath. God provided for them. Now, let me give you a backdrop of what had happened before we got here. On the handout, please turn to page, um, page one of the handout or uh, page two of the handout. And I'll start. The whole of Genesis 37 through Genesis 50 is the whole backdrop, but I've summarized it and I'm going to give you the summary of what had happened to get to that point where God reigned manna. All right, Joseph, I will start from Joseph being sold into slavery by his brothers. A lot had happened before that time. Joseph had 12 sons, one daughter. And then, you know, through the 12 sons, Joseph was sent. He was the favorite of the father. He was sent. Leah's son sent to go and check on his brothers. His brothers, because they were upset with him about the dream that he had, they sold him to the Midianites, to the Midianites, or they put him in the... Um, uh, in the well first, and they sold him to the Midianites. So Joseph sold into slavery by his brothers. And God's hand was upon Joseph. He rises up in Pharaoh's, um, um, uh, he rises up at Potiphar's house, went through an ordeal, he, he went into prison. There was this dream of the butler and then the baker interpreted it through that God promoted him God's hand was on him and God promotes him to be second in charge to Pharaoh so Pharaoh didn't move without Joseph's input and God's hand was on Joseph he rises up to be Pharaoh's right hand second in command there's famine in the land now his brother sent to go and buy grain from Israel which is Egypt Joseph reveals himself and rescues his brethren, before he did that, he had told them something had happened. Uh, he didn't see his brother John, uh, uh, Benjamin, so he orchestrated, made some moves, and got his brothers into trouble. They came in and said, well, okay, I'm going to keep uh, this and that and that, so go and bring your father and then your younger brother. So that happened, and we are told in scriptures that the people who went to Egypt from uh, Jacob's family, there were about 70 of them who went. Joseph excluded because he was in Egypt. So about 70 people went to 
uh, Egypt when Joseph revealed himself and told them, you know, to come in. Wow. Joseph goes to Pharaoh and tells Pharaoh that his brethren is here, um, are here. So they got divinely placed in Goshen, right? Okay. So let's move on. So his brother sent to go and buy grain. Joseph reveals himself, rescues his brethren to Egypt. They settle in Goshen. Joseph dies. Children of Israel oppressed by another Pharaoh. Now, Moses was raised in an Egyptian palace, in um, the palace of uh, Pharaoh, as the king's daughter's son. He was fetched out of uh, the water. So his name actually means that. Miraculously raised by his own mother as a caretaker for Moses, rescued out of water. That's what his name is. He decides to use his own strength to rescue his people. He that didn't go well. He flees to the land of Midian and encounters God in the wilderness. In seeing um, a seeming burning bush, but it wasn't burning. So out of curiosity, he approached that and God speaks to him and said, look, you are the one that I want. I want you to go back to Egypt and rescue your people. Okay. All right. So, um, He's directed by God to rescue Israelites from Egyptian oppression and lead them to the promised land. There were 10 plagues. After the 10 plagues, the sprinkling of the blood of the lamb, you know, uh, the Passover lamb uh, on the doorpost, an angel of death comes in, and the Jewish, the Israelites are not affected. Those who didn't have that blood of sprinkling got affected. They lost their um, firstborn um, sons and daughters, whatever. And the angel of death passes over wherever the blood of the Passover lamb was applied. Because death of the firstborn, it causes death of the firstborn of the Egyptians. Israel allowed to leave Egypt under Moses and Aaron. Red Sea was parted. Egyptian army discomfited, defeated, vanquished, not to be seen anymore. Exodus 14, 13, 14. So now we come to when they had gotten out of the Red Sea. So when they got out of the Red Sea, Exodus 15, 1 to 21, Moses' revelation of God to men. Exodus 15, 2 to 3. Moses says that God is his strength, is his salvation, is his father's God or creator. And it's his song. He's his El, that's the strong one. He's a man of war. Jehovah is his name. Exodus 15, Two to three. I'm not going to turn or read it, but as you meditate on this, as you go home, please turn to it and read. So Moses then goes on to make predictions of God, what, will God, what God will do on their behalf. Exodus 15, 13 to 18. And says that God is going to redemption to redeem them from bondage. He's going to guide them to Canaan. The promised land, the enemies will hear and be afraid. The dukes of Edom, that the captains of Edom, shall be amazed of what God has wrought on their behalf. And the men of Moab shall tremble. The Canaanites shall melt away with fear. So anyone who comes against you, no weapon that is ever formed against you will prosper. When you are with God and when the righteous run, into him, into our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are safe. 
No weapon that is ever fashioned against you will prosper. The enemies will come in, in several, from several directions, but God will scatter them in seven times the way they came in. And this shows clearly. It says, the men of Moab shall tremble. They shall tremble because they see the awesomeness of God. They hear it. They've heard it. Okay, so the Canaanites shall melt away with fear. Enemies shall fear and be amazed. There will be a safe passage of Israel to the promised land. And there's a century for God and eternal reign of the Messiah. Now, God also made promises through Moses. And that is found in Exodus 16, 4 to 8. But before we get there, let's go to page number 4. Page number 4. I have some of the memories. There were a lot of memories, but I've taken some of the memories, uh, memories of the Israel during the Exodus. Right from the Red Sea, they saw this miracle of, of, that, of that whole mass of water being separated, being divided, all right, and for them to walk on dry land. Now, if you look at the physics that is behind it, if you look at whatever you can think of, there has to be some mighty rush of wind for it to be dry. There has to be some mighty rush of wind to go through that particular side, separate it, make it into two walls, and then evaporate that water that is left for it to become dry land. This is amazing. This is God's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. So God had care, was taking care of them through the wilderness, and we know from scripture that he who followed them all the way through the wilderness is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So they go on a three days journey in the wilderness and they come to Mara to waters. They were thirsty, so there was, uh, they found some water, but the water was bitter and they couldn't drink it. So they started murmuring against Moses and Aaron. Okay? That's why I'm saying some of the memories. I'm not going to be able to talk about all the memories. So three days journey in the wilderness to Mara, bitter waters. They could not drink. Moses cried out unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. Now, notice this. God showed him a tree. God didn't say, go cut a tree. God showed him a tree. And he says, take the tree and put it in the bitter waters. Pastor Texan taught over here that that tree is significant of the cross. And by Jesus' death, crucifixion, death, resurrection, on the cross, you know, on the cross when he died, that gave us that freedom, released us. So everything that was bitter now became sweet for us because of what Christ did for us. We were redeemed from the curse of the law. We were redeemed. Now we had the right or we were adopted by the blood of Jesus, through the blood of Jesus, to be a seed of Abraham and to be heirs and join heirs with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Christ is the first fruit. And if the, Christ is the first fruit and the second fruit and the third fruit and the fourth fruit, this is the first fruit of those who have risen in the Lord. Okay, so that was significant. That was Mara, bitter waters. 
And by God showing him a tree, he showed him a tree. This is a desert. But God showed him a tree. Where did that tree come from? Where did that tree come from? And they say, uh, scripture says, Moses took the tree and he put it in the waters and the waters became sweet. It's amazing. You know, think about it yourself. This is a desert. It's bare. You have uh, uh, desert plants or trees, you know, just like the burning bush, but they are usually like of the palm species, right? You know, of the palm species. And if there are any trees, these are trees that you can't just pick up because their roots have to go deep in order to tap in into water. So it's, not, it's, it's nothing that you can pick up. So how did the tree get there? Pastor taught us that is significant of the cross of Jesus and him dying on the cross to redeem us from our sins. Because it's written, Cursed is everyone that dies on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come unto the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we may receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Later on, as we go down, you will, you will notice from what we are doing that the Omer, when they started with the Omer, that the first fruit, when they laid sickle on the ripe barley, they were supposed to count 50 days. And that is significant of Christ's crucifixion and the giving of the Holy Spirit. You see it as we go in. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I want to give you that so you look out for it. So now, the second was from Elim. I'm on page four. And they came to the wilderness of sin between Elim and Sinai. That was on the 15th day of the second month after departing the land of Egypt. The whole congregation murmured. I believe that the time, I told you last time, there's time, there's space, and there's matter, continuum. One cannot exist without the other. So the time that God revealed through Moses to write down, that has some connotation. I don't know it yet because I haven't studied it. Maybe that's something that pastor might be able to teach us about. But I haven't studied that yet. But he said that on the 15th day of the second month, after departing the land of Egypt, it gives you something specific. It's so specific, right? Now, based on this, let me go back to what happened here um, on the 21st of August. Pastor was ministering and pastor asked me in the congregation about the percentage of uh, oxygen that is in the air that we breathe. And I mounted out 23. No, that's not correct. It's wrong. Now, the reason why is that if you are 23 to 78, it exceeds 100 and you can't have 100%. And I will show you why. Now, I made the mistake, not uh, uh, pastor, okay? It's me. I made uh, the mistake, so I stand c corrected. For that, 
I've given you some information. Please turn with me to, yeah, I want to correct it now. Turn with me to the last page, page number 17. I will come back to what I'm teaching. You see the composition of air, all right, you see 78% nitrogen, 20.9 oxygen, and then you have carbon dioxide, 0.03. You see very minuscule. And so with that, I'm giving you what ifs, okay, because I messed up. I'm giving you what ifs. So what happens if the percentage of carbon dioxide increases? You know, we all know there will be greenhouse effect. It will not allow the hot rays of the sun to escape from the atmosphere after reflection once they enter the Earth's atmosphere, thereby increasing the temperature of the Earth. Ice on mountains will melt and water levels will rise. That is the situation that we are in right now because they are producing so much carbon dioxide. It's causing this greenhouse effect. Okay. So now imagine, this is 0.03. So now, if carbon dioxide rises up to about 1%, that would be danger. That would be trouble for everybody. All right, now I'm telling you that. So now, by contrast, when oxygen concentrations are higher, that is the 21%. If you increase it, the atmosphere gets thicker and scatters more sunlight. As a result, there is less water vapor to trap heat. And so we all freeze and freeze and freeze. And then there will be spontaneous reaction. There will be spontaneous fire. Now, the reason why that I'm telling you this is for you to know that for God's love for the world that he created, that he put all these things in place so that when something goes this way, the other one goes this way and it compensates. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't take care of the earth. The foolishness that is going on, we need to stop and pay attention to what God has done. God put it in his place for all these years. Oxygen has remained 71%. Nitrogen has remained 78%, give or take. Now that we've messed up, now we are all over trying to get green energy, right? And that is the heart of man. For money, we'll do all kinds of things. I'm not saying that don't do to live, don't do, but we need to take care of this earth that we are on. Now, if we remove all but 1% of nitrogen pressure, the atmospheric pressure changes, and then the pressure that's within will even bust our eardrums. So now the 78%, how does it, how is it kept in check? It's kept in check because when leaves and animals, you know, things like that pass, they, there's nitrogen content, there's denitrification, and the nitrogen in the air is replenished. So that is that. And that's for the mistake that I made or the uh, bad information that I gave. So that is for you. So when you go in, you see from now on, you know that oxygen is 21% and not 23%. I made a mistake and I stand corrected. All right. So now, <laughs> so now let's go on. So now let's go back to three. God said, God promises God's promises through Moses, Exodus 16, 4 to 8. It says, I will rain bread from heaven. That is after the memory. We'll rain daily for six days. We'll prove them if they'll walk in my law. 
and will gather twice as much on the sixth day, will rain flesh, quail, in the evenings, will rain bread in the mornings. All right? So the Lord gave some specific information. Now, I believe we can all learn from this. He gave them manna during the day. So maybe, just maybe, God is trying to tell us that during the day, what we eat should be reflective of the manner that he, he gave them. And then maybe in the evening, what we eat should be reflective of what he gave them. Because this sustained them through the wilderness. And we know that there was no feeble one among, among their tribe. So just maybe, just maybe we can all look back in the Bible and get our diet straight. Okay? So I'm just saying, all right? So the Lord gave uh, Moses specific uh, page number four. I'm back on page number four. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go and gather a certain rate every day, and that I will prove them, whether they walk in my law or no. And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day, they shall gather twice as much. All right, now, this is what happens. Listen to this and listen to it very carefully. Okay, Exodus 16, 8. Moses said, For the Lord heareth your memories which you murmur against him. And what are we? See, they murmured against Moses and Aaron. But here Moses is telling them that they did not murmur against them because they are nothing. As the leaders, if God has planted a leader and you know that the leader without a shadow of doubt is doing what God has called him to do and is following the divine precepts of the law and is walking day in and day out doing God's work and you murmur against them, be careful. On the other hand, when your leader is messing up and is doing what is wrong, and you know what you're doing doesn't line up with the word of God, you need to speak up. Now watch this. He says, and what are we? Your memories are not against us, but against the Lord. Your memories are not against your pastor who is doing the work of God, who is studying day in and day out to feed you with the divine word of God, searching, doing this, doing this, what can we do, what can we, yeah. But it's against the Lord. When you murmur, memories that are, don't have any merit, be careful. Be careful. All right? Okay. Remember, Dathan and um, uh, his... I mean, cronies, the earth opened up and swallowed them. Now, we are on the grace. We are on the grace now. And God, by his divine orchestration, is not going to open up anything. Of, of course, it can happen. But I'm saying that through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, by the grace that Christ, what his blood did for us, you don't see these things happen because we are under grace. So even the wicked things that we do, God looks at, if you are born again uh, Christian or whatever is going on, God looks at it through the blood of Jesus and he says, my grace is sufficient. 
for you. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And he expects us to come higher, to rise up higher and higher. So the manna itself, page number five, the manna was small, round, like coriander seed, white, sweet, tasted like wafers with honey, and easily melted. It was hard. Let me ask you, if it was hard, how can it decompose? said it was like coriander seed and it was hard. So how can he decompose or stink or develop worms? You see, we need to pay attention to the word of God. Exodus 15 says, if thou will keep my statutes, obey my commandments, give an ear I will bring none of these diseases upon thee which I brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that healeth. If you obey, listen with your heart and do what is right in the sight of the Lord. I'm paraphrasing it, but there are four, um, uh, there are four uh, requirements there. God says, I will not put this upon you that I brought upon the Egyptians. Now, because of the disobedience, if you disobey God, that manna that you gathered rotted away. Why? Because God has said an omer for each person. And they, gathered, they that gathered more had nothing over. And they that gathered little had no lack. They that gathered more had nothing over. And they that gathered little had no lack. God is telling us that his grace is sufficient for us. And when we follow his word, his indwelling spirit is sufficient for us because it covers from here to there. Your lack is met. Your fullness is met. There's nothing lacking and there's nothing left over. He is sufficient. He's our sufficiency. So don't fret about what you're going to eat tomorrow, what you're going to eat tomorrow, this, what you're going to... Stay on the word of God. Speak the word of God. Make sure that you are with the word of God. And I guarantee you by the power of the Holy Spirit and by God's divine decree that's in there right now, that there's nothing that will lack and there's nothing that will be more than what you need. God is going to give you his riches in abundance so you don't lack anything, right? Yes. What God is going to give you will be more than what you need. But that means that you need to look and then bless others as well so you don't lack. They that gathered more had no lack and they that gathered little had no lack. He showed Moses a tree, and he took it. He put it in the bitter waters, and the bitter waters became sweet. So it quenched their thirst. Then he feeds them with quail in the evening. Kentucky Fried Chicken, maybe in the evening. And then wafers, carbohydrates, maybe in the morning. God is telling us something. Come closer, come closer, come closer. This is what I want. And do this, do this, do this, you live. And there's no feeble one among our tribes. 
Just those who had hardened hearts that perished throughout their journey in the wilderness. So God is telling us, this is it. Pay attention to it. Let's do it. He says it to be preserved by divine authority as a memorial. So what God told Moses that the same manner that's, you know, got problems when people didn't listen. He says, gather an omer, same omer. Gather an omer and then preserve it for your generations. But that didn't stink. That didn't stink. I'm almighty God. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Your generations, forever. Your generation, he said, preserve it for your generations, forever. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, and for generations to come. Jesus Christ, it's all about Jesus and nothing about us. Says, gather that that an omer, same omer, nothing missing, nothing broken, sufficient for you, sufficient for me, an omer full of that bread. Gather it and put it down as a memorial for your generations. And that didn't have any problem because Moses was following the divine ordinances of God, and wherever God is. His grace is there. He will, he, will, he will watch you go through it. And he will be with you all the way. It may seem like an oxymoron, but God is with us day in and day out. He will never leave us nor forsake us. So any, any time that you go through any problems and that the way seems to be ragged and hard, don't think that God is not with you. He's with you always. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He has provided the omer. You gather it in his word. And what you gather, even though it may be little, there will be no lack. And you feed on it, you feed on it, you feed on it, it blesses you, and blessings come in and overtake you. You look around and you bless others. So there's no lack. An omer for an omer. All right? Now, I told you an omer is like 0.7 or 7 tenths of a gallon, 3.3 liters. So now, if you can eat 3.3 liters of, <laughs> of, of that and you still be hungry, I think you got a problem. No, but no, but it was light, and it was like the wafer. But it's you know like honey. Have you ever had popcorn? If you have popcorn, you can eat a whole lot, but you don't get full. It's light. Okay, so that's what I'm uh, I'm trying to drive at. All right. Now other scriptures. These are scriptures that came into my mind when I was preparing it. Lamentations 3, 3, uh, 3, 21 to 26. It says, this I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. See, Almighty God took care of the people in the wilderness. 40 years they went through. They came out of the Red Sea. That is the 
It's significant of the baptism. You know, by water, through water. They came out and they journeyed. Three days. Watch it. Three days. Three days. They went, got to a place, Mara. And there was no water. The water that they had was bitter. And they started murmuring. Now, with all the miracles that God has done, or that God did for their behalf, the Egyptian army vanquished. They overthrown. The Egyptian that you see, you see no more. Moses sunk. All right? With all that, now you're murmuring against your leader. Well, will to God that we were still back in Egypt. Where we sit down with our pots and eat our flesh. And this and this and this. And Moses heard it. I mean, it's, hey, look, with all what is going on, you still will blame me for this. Because he's just human. He didn't know what was going to happen. Because he himself doesn't know. But he had faith in God that God, who had brought them out, would be able to provide. He had hope. He had faith in God. But the memory... The murmuring. See, when you murmur against a rightful leader, you murmur against a rightful leader. The leader picks up a stick and hits the rock three times when he's supposed to hit it once. And you put him under a lot of problems. Our leaders, be they the president, be they whoever they are, and, um, in Congress or whatever it is, we pray for them. We pray. But we filter out lies. This garbage that is going on and on and on. If you know there are lies, filter it out. And see, look at what God is divinely orchestrating in our lives. And let's latch on, onto that. And let's, because when there is peace in the land, God's people live in peace as well. Let's focus on the things of God and not on the things about what man is doing. The wickedness that is going on. Stay focused on God. God is able. God is sufficient. He saw sufficiency. Even in the wilderness, he made, he, he orchestrated it that they get fed 40 days, 40 years through the wilderness. 40 years, day and night. And on the sixth day, um, before the Sabbath, he said, rest on the Sabbath. Don't go anywhere. I will provide. And even that, even that, some of them didn't listen and they went out. But God, in his mercy, and Pastor Moses, or leader Moses, is Pastor Aaron, well, Moses is also a pastor. So he told them, look, don't do it. This is what God told you to do. Don't do it. So these are uh, some of the scriptures that I want to talk about. It says, this I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. It is the Lord's mercies. It's of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. The manna is new every morning. The dew comes up and lays on the ground. And by the time the sun comes up and lifts up, there is all this white stuff, this dew, bread from heaven. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ manifested itself. Pick and eat, and eat of me. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For I'm the bread that came from heaven. I'm the, I'm the bread that fed your fathers through the wilderness for 40 years. The dew came down, and when the dew lifted, 
Can you b- believe this in the wilderness? You have due. You have due. Before you have due, the humidity has to be high. And humidity has direct relationship with the amount of water that is in the ground, that is being evaporated. So when the humidity is high, you have dew. But this dew, not only dew, but it's settled. God at work in us both to will and to do all that that we need. God orchestrated it. It's awesome. Dew in the wilderness. And when the dew lifted up, there was this manna. You know, the people of Israel didn't know what to call it. So manna means, what is this? Or what is it? It's the bread from heaven that fed them throughout their wilderness journey. The time of dryness, the time that you don't have, you are in need, you, are, you, look, at, you look behind you and there's nothing. There, you look to your right, you look to your left, and you feel that there's nothing. But God is telling you that I'm with you always, even to the end of eternity. If we come through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he's the manna, the bread of life that will keep feeding you from generation to generation. In Jesus' mighty name. He will never forsake you. Hebrews 13, I believe, 4, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God will not forsake. It's not his business to forsake you when you come through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because that blood of sprinkling speaks better things. Hebrews 12, 4, he speaks better things on your behalf. It's the blood. It's the blood. Life of the being is in the blood, right? It's in... Leviticus 17.11 or 11.17, I think it's 17.11. It's the blood. The blood that gives life is the blood. Life of the being is in the blood. So it's the blood of Jesus that speaks better things. says, this I call to mind, therefore I have hope. It's the Lord. Lord is my portion, said my soul, therefore will I have hope in the Lord. It's good unto them that wait on him, that wait for him. To the soul that seeketh him, it is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Malachi 3, 6. I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Says I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore ye sons of Abraham, through the adoption, through the blood adoption, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, by that blood, you are not consumed. You, me, everybody who has come through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you are not consumed because the blessings of Abraham is now ours also. Right? Galatians 3 13. This is where that scripture is. So, please make a note of it and know that you are a child of um, a God by the inheritance through, uh, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we receive the promise of the Spirit through the Lord Jesus Christ, and through faith, you are in the kingdom of God. Psalm 90, 1 to 4, I'll show you something here. It says, O oh Lord, or says, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. This is Moses. Talking. He says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. 
you have been a dwelling place. Moses wasn't born or he wasn't at the beginning of when the earth was formed, right? He wasn't. He came later. But you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Let me read it again. It says, oh Lord, it says, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Even from everlasting to everlasting. You've been our dwelling place throughout all generations. You dwell at a place. When you dwell, what do you expect? You expect rest, right? You expect peace, right? You are at a dwelling place. So you dwell there because you have safety, hopefully. You dwell. That is your abode. You dwell. It says, Thou has been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or for wherever thou hast formed the earth, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. And if, when you look at that scripture, you've been our dwelling place, you've been our place of safety, you've been our place where we can find rest, where we can rest, and where we can rest. This is telling you that, look, on the sixth day, I'll give you twice, rest on the seventh day. Rest. Rest. You have been our dwelling place for all generations. Now, go to Matthew 8, 11. It says, come unto me. All ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you a hiding place. I will give you rest. I will give you a hiding place. Come unto me, all ye who labor, and you are in a hard place, okay? You know, we're in a hard place. It's just like the outer shell of that manor was hard. You are in a hard place. You can't break through. But I am the bread of life. Come unto me. When you're laboring to break that hard core, and I will give you rest. It doesn't end there. He says that, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I'm meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So the burden of going to crack something that is hard, you know, to get something for God already took care of it. Because out of that hard, round thing, God created the wafers, which was like sweet as honey. And he says, I'm feeding you this for 40 years throughout the wilderness. My, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the God that will serve. He will take care of you. We dwell under the security of his mighty wings. And we are safe. Okay. All right. Now, come unto me, all you labor. Other scriptures. Isaiah 40. Now, watch this very, very carefully. It says, Why say thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over? From my God, has thou not known, has thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainted not, neither is weary, 
There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. It says, even your youth shall faint and be weary, and your young men shall utterly fail or fall. I'm sorry, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Let me ask you this: the scripture. This scripture that I just read, did you ever see God saying that your old men shall run and not be weary? God didn't say that. He says, he says, everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. He fainted not, neither is he weary. There's no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. He giveth power to the faint. So to the faint is for everyone who is weak, all right? To the faint. And to them that have no might, he increases strength. So if you don't have any might and you are faint, God gives you power and he gives you strength. And he says, even the youth, he didn't say even the old man. He said, even the youth, even the youth, God is telling us something here. Even the youth, Right? Shall faint and be weary. Those who have strength, the youth, they have strength, right? They can, ones who can probably swim, 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 swim. They are the ones who can probably run, 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 run. They can, ones who can go out and drive around and, you know, cause all kinds of, they shall, even the youth shall faint and be weary. Right? And your young men shall oddly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord, they that wait upon the Lord. So whether you are old, you are young, you are this, you are this, you wait on the Lord, God gives you strength. God didn't say he gives strength only to the young men. He says your young men shall be weary, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagle. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. This is God's divine providence. Because what? His grace is sufficient. And if you wait on him, if you go and you gather what he has asked you to gather, an omer for a person, you gather that. You're waiting on the Lord because he's giving you that divine instructions. He gave them, but he said, go and gather it. He didn't say, sleep. And lie down and not do anything. It says, gather it. And for those that are in your tent, an omer for each person. So those that wait on the Lord, if you are waiting, if you are gathering, God gives you strength. You mount up with wings as eagles. You run and not be weary and you walk and not faint. He increases strength. He increases strength. There's the God that we serve. All right, now let me read <laughs> Isaiah 54:13 to 17. And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and grace shall be their peace of the children. Righteousness shall you be established, and thou shalt be far from op oppression, and thou shalt not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come nigh thee. Behold, they shall surely gather together, but not of me. 
Whosoever shall gather together against thee shall fall for their sake. Behold, I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire, and that bringeth forth an instrument for his work. And I have created the waster to destroy. No weapon that is ever fashioned against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that rises up against thee in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of God. So we go to page number eight, same spirit of faith. Those who were before us spoke, and Christ is the middle part of those who were before us and after Christ. They spoke, so we also speak. The earth, the whole universe was created by the word of God's power. That word indwells us. Now we speak by faith. All right. First fruits. An omer, an omer, an omer. This is page number nine. An omer is a properly, uh, is properly a, a heap, a sheaf. Also, an omer as a dry measure, an omer sheaf. You know, that's from the strong talking concordance. So, an omer at the time of the wilderness experience, they had to gather an omer. An omer later was like a sheaf, you know, of wheat or barley. Now, my understanding is that when it came to the harvest season, barley was the one, was the, was the grain that got ripping or that got ripe first. So they harvested barley. So God's instruction to Israel was that before they put the sickle to the first fruit, right? When they put the sickle to the first fruit, they have to start counting. They have to start counting. And they count seven weeks. And then and next day, we know a week is what? Seven days. So seven times seven is what? 49. And then a day after, then they need to bring the first fruit in for, um, uh, the first fruit for the shavuot, right? And the shavuot is when they offer the, uh, the fruit offering. Okay. All right, now let's go on. Now, Shavuot. Shavuot, it says, it falls seven weeks after Passover at the end of the counting of the Omer. All right, so now we've gone from the Old Testament and now we are looking at what is being practiced now. Okay, all right, because a lot of times I like to give the Old Testament, you know, versions or Old Testament references and I like to give the New Testament um, references. But Christ didn't come to abolish the law. He just came to confirm it. All right. So it says seven weeks from the time, from such time as thou beginnest to put the sickle to the corn or to the wheat or to the barley. And thou shalt keep the feast of weeks until the Lord thy God with a tribute 
of a free will offering of thine hand, which thou shalt give unto the Lord thy God, according to, according as the Lord thy God hath blessed thee. Okay, this was a biblical commandment, a biblical mandate incumbent, or yeah, incumbent upon every Jew. Traditionally, the period of spiritual introspection in preparation for the Shavuot. Because it begins during the Passover and it concludes at Shavuot, the counting of the Omer remembers the journey from Egypt to Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai is where the law was given. Okay, all right. Let's go. Yeah, let's go on. First fruits, page number 10, the feast of Pentecost. All right, now, speak unto the children, according to Le Leviticus 23.10, of Israel, and say unto them, when ye be come into the land which I give unto you, and shall reap the harvest thereof, then ye shall bring a sheaf of the first fruit of your harvest, Unto the priest. Verse 15. And he shall count unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be complete. Even unto the morrow after the seventh Sabbath shall ye number 50 days, and he shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. We know that Christ rose after the feast of the Passover, right? So if you look at counting the Omer, God orchestrated it. This was given thousand, about 1,400 years before Christ's crucifixion. So God orchestrated that Christ died, and when he rose again, he being the first fruit, was the first fruit, it signifies the first fruit of the offering when they begin to count the omer. So the period after the Passover is when Christ rose up. And for 40 days, Christ appeared unto various people, unto his disciples, unto um, seven of them at a time, he, uh, he appeared unto those who were going to Emmaus, to Mary Madeline. Okay, it's over here. I don't want to get ahead of myself. All right, so he appeared unto them. And for 40, 40 days, Scripture tells us what God did. Then, on the 40th day, he took them to Mount Bethany and he breathes on them and he tells them that he's leaving. But he will send the comforter. Right? He will send the comforter. And the comforter that we know is the Holy Spirit. Guess when the comforter came? On the day of Pentecost, which is 50 days. So 50 days shall you count from the Omer, from the Shavuot, right? 
from the resurrection. So the Holy Spirit came. It's 50 days. And when the Holy Spirit came, after 50 days, the Holy Spirit is now with us throughout all generations. Moses said, keep the Omer throughout all your generations. Christ is our Omer. And by Christ, the Holy Spirit incoming, dwelling in us, the indwelling spirit is with us all throughout generations. From everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. You are with us. Amazing. 1,400 years before God instructed the Israelites, count the Omer. The day of the Passover, start counting the Omer. 50 days, seven weeks, and the day after, then you bring that you know, um, harvest. Christ died. 50 days afterwards, the Holy Spirit came. And the Holy Spirit is with us all throughout generations, generations, generations. Because it's that spirit that helps us to be winners on this earth. This earth that we live in, Satan won from Adam. And so God orchestrated that we dwell in our inheritance. And he left us with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, the word of God, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, it helps us overcome the enemy. So we are overcomers through Christ who strengthens us. So the Omer, gather the Omer, and there's nothing, no one, those who gathered little have no lack. Those who gathered much has no, have no lack. When the Holy Spirit is in you, you are more than a conqueror. You have no lack. Because wherever you fall short, he feels sin. Wherever there's much more, he feels sin. In fact, wish above everything that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Third John 2. I'm with you always throughout all generations. See, God, the word of God is true. The Omer, look, look at it. It says, keep the Omer throughout your generations. But Moses is gone to his reward. Right? And where is the Omer? So God knew it. And God knew that, hey, yeah, it comes to a point where they will not physically see the Omer. But then the Omer now lives in you when it comes through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So now, use that spirit. And it will be with you throughout all generations. The spirit of truth. The spirit of wisdom. The spirit of shalom. 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 You have that peace. That surpasses all understanding. So throughout everything that you go through, no matter what, come hell or high water, you go through it strong, strong and mighty because God is with you. The enemy will come in. We come in. That's why I use that word. I'm not acknowledging that word in anything because he's under our feet and we trample upon him. But he will come against you because he did the same thing against Christ. 
And Christ is the word of God. So if we are not, if we are here, and something is not right, call on Hashem. Call on Hashem. Call on Hashem. Because you have that which is in you. To call on Hashem. And when you call, everything stops. Everything stops. In fact, the elements, just like Sister Wright, will fight in your behalf. Because they that are with you are more than they that are with them. Call on Hashem. Hashem, he's with you throughout generations. Forever and ever, oh Lord, your, your word is truth. Gather the omer, gather the omer, and gather it based on the divine principle, the oracles that God has given you. That's the word. Don't deviate from the word. Just like God told um, uh, Joshua, don't turn to the right or to the left. And you will have what? Good success. Which means that there are some successes that are not good. That are not right. Okay? If you rip people off and you have this, you have millions, you have billions and you have that. Is that success good? But somebody will have a little. And then you see that this is right. This is right. You can sleep well at night, wake up healthy. Because what God has given you, the armor that you, is though a little, but it's Sufficient. Because God is our sufficiency. Our might, our strength is not of the enemy. It's not by our own prowess, but our strength is of the Lord. So the armor that we, we, we gather, we, and we gather from the word. We gather from the word because it's the indwelling spirit. It's telling us, hey, you do this. You do this. You do this. And gives us health. It gives us for all those who are I've been attacked by the enemy. I declare that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are free from oppression. From oppression, from oppression, from the oppression of the enemy. Almighty God will cause, cause Almighty God that your power eliminates any pandemic, any situation that anybody is going through. People are free because we are free in God indeed. He who God says free is free indeed. We are free, Almighty God, by your power. We'll not be shaken. We'll not be shaken because we'll gather the omer. We'll gather an omer for. There'll be no lack. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. Because we have the spirit of God that indwells us. We are more than conquerors through him. David said, now I was young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous Forsaken, no, his seed begging bread. May God, Almighty God, your seed will never beg bread. And you leave an inheritance for your children and for your children's children for generations to come. Almighty God, because God decreed it. You are in God, you are in God, and you are doing His divine principle, not gathering. Omar, on the day of your rest, God is with us. So now I've given the messianic implications of the omer. That is when Christ was crucified until the time that the Holy Spirit 
came down in Acts, in the book of Acts. Says the Holy, Christ said, I'm leaving you. And he breathed on them. He said, I'm sending my spirit. But tarry ye in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And they were gathered in this room 50 days after. 50 days after the Omer. After, after the first fruit, right? 50 days after. They said, count. Count when you lay the sickle to the harvest. Count seven weeks and then a day. So Christ, our first fruit, okay? You lay the sickle to the first fruit. Christ is our first fruit. Is the first fruit of those that have died in Christ. So it's the first fruit. So Christ is our first fruit. And then 50 days after the Holy Spirit that Christ orchestrated, he said, I will send the Holy Spirit, the comforter. So he sends the comforter 50 days after. 50 days is the day of Pentecost for the Jewish people. And 50 days is when the Holy Spirit came down to us to be with us to all generations. You have power, you have authority, you have strength, you have dignity, you are, you are in God. And everything will work well on your behalf by the power of the Holy Spirit through our high priest, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As far as I know, this is what scripture says, I believe it, and it's settled. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Do not break, will not move, be swayed to the left or to the right. Meditate on it, on the word, day in and day. Some of us don't do it, because sometimes we, we, we don't, we, we say we don't have time, but there are only 24 hours in a day, and sometimes, I'm telling you, sometimes it's hard. But even the little that you get, genuinely, God takes care of it. And God inhabits, 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 takes, takes, takes care of you because his Holy Spirit dwells in you. Around you, therefore, is the glory of God. And underneath are his everlasting arms. He bears you in the palm of his hand. You never stumble. You never be weary. And if you are an old man, God tells you that even your youth shall faint and be weary. And your young man <laughs> shall get tired. But if you wait on the Lord, regardless of whether you are older, God didn't say old men shall, uh, shall be weary and shall be tired. He said you're young men. That's what God said, okay? He said you're young men because we all know that, you know, I mean, if you, are, um, you have age on your side, to the glory of God, you know, you can get tired. That is physically. But spiritually, he increases strength. So they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. And they will walk and not faint. You have spiritual highness. You have spiritual authority over everything because you are imbued with strength from the Lord. Almighty God, we thank you and we give you all the glory. Let me try 
and then uh, go through this. It says, promise of the Spirit. Um, I think, you know, the rest of them, I will encourage you to read them and meditate on it. But let me go to page number 14 and let me show you the messianic occurrences doing the counting of the Omer. Page number 14. Day one, Christ's resurrection at the end of the first day. He appeared unto Mary Magdalene and two others on their way to Emmaus and also to Peter. So the first day when they started counting the Omer, when the, you know, they are the first fruit, started counting the Omer, 50 days to the day of Pentecost. Day two, he appeared in their midst among the twelve. So the disciples were gathered and they were, they were scared. They were afraid. But all of a sudden, Christ walks through. The doors were closed, everything. He says, Shalom, peace be unto you. <laughs> okay, if this were to be in Africa, they would say it's a, uh, it's a ghost, a grandfather's ghost that is coming in somewhere. But that is the Spirit of God. And he dwells with them for 40 days. This is not a ghost. This is a resurrected Lord. And then day nine, he appeared to us again and Thomas. To us, the disciples. And then Thomas was also with them. All right. Thomas, you remember? He was the one who doubted. And Christ says, you can feel me. You can feel that spear that was thrust on his side. Feel, feel me. And then other days during the count, during the count of the 50 days, he appeared unto 500 of our number and then to James. James, you know, the brother of Jesus, right? He appeared to seven of the disciples where they, they had gone fishing. Remember when Christ died, Peter gathers his folks and he says, I'm going out fishing. So they also said, well, if you're going out fishing, I'll go out fishing too. Instead of fishing for human, for souls, he went out fishing for fish. All right? So fishing for fish and fishing for souls, they are, they are different. And he appeared unto them. And then he even asked them, Do you, have you caught any fish? So he sat down and then he ate with them. All right? This is the resurrected Lord. Have you ever heard of a ghost eating? Even through this Halloween, when they have all these spooky things, spooky things, they say, whatever, that spooky ghost or something, they can't eat in front of you. And I forbid that in Jesus' name because they are demons. Spirits of wickedness. We bind that. We take, pre, we, we launch a preemptive strike against them. From now, through tomorrow. All their wicked ways destroyed by the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' mighty name. We destroy that by the power and authority given to us. So day 40, he led them, the disciples, to a hill near Bethany. Commanded them to leave, not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. He ascended to heaven. And that day 50, promise of the Holy Spirit fulfilled with us forever. Conclusion, conclusion, Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. 
for all what has been said, for all what is done, has been done today by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, um, it's my prayer that is blessed those. People have gleaned from it and people will meditate on the word. What the outline that you see is an outline. It's not of me. It's God who is ministering, if I dare say that, because some of the things that I put out, I don't even know. But it's God. So sometimes, sometimes, you know, I, I, I'm just in awe at what God does. So meditate on it and meditate. Look at the scriptures behind it. And let's meditate on it. Just like any time that anybody ministers, take the word and meditate on the word. Because a lot of times what comes out is by God's divine ordinance and by, I mean, by God's doing. So let's meditate on it. It says, let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Keep his commandments. Don't go out on, this, on the seventh day to look for manna. Gather twice as much on the sixth day. So you have enough on the Sabbath. If you don't listen and you go gather. All right. The first day. You know, if it's not the sixth day and you gather more and you leave some hoarding, it will stink. So this tells us that in all our doing, hoarding is not good. Hoarding. Take what you can or what you can live on and live on it. And let's hope. Our hope is in the Lord. God, well, it doesn't say that don't plan for the future or whatever because he who will build a house will have to Consider what he will. But don't be greedy. That's the point. Don't be greedy. Don't be greedy. And think that your God will not able to meet all your needs. He, he's more than able. So God is more than able. And Revelation 22, 12 to 14 says, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according to his work, According as his work shall be. I'm the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments. Blessed are they that do his commandments. And they, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. To God alone be the glory, power, majesty, dominion, even now and forevermore. In Jesus' mighty name, Almighty God, we thank you and we glorify you. That by your spirit, you've ministered through your servant. And that the word that has come forth, Father, will edify and save souls, win souls into the kingdom. I pray that for all those who are under the influence, who are listening to me at this point. I pray that for those who want to accept Christ as their personal savior, Father, by your grace and by your power, they will do so. And if you have decided to follow Christ, which I pray you would if you have not, because God is our only hope. Our Lord and Savior is the Holy Word. Please say after me that Almighty God, I thank you for even making it possible 
for me to accept you as my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I renounce everything that has bothered me that is not of you. I renounce that and I declare that you died to redeem me from sin and the effects of sin. I accept you as my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I give you the Holy Spirit, the power over my life in Jesus' mighty name. Holy Spirit, take authority over me. The spirit of power coming to me, come and indwell me in Jesus' mighty name. I thank you that it is well with me in Jesus' mighty name. If you said that, say amen. You are in the kingdom of God. Look for a Bible-believing church and then fellowship. Learn to discern the word of God in truth because it will help build you up in Jesus' mighty name. Father, we thank you and we glorify you. We give you all the glory and honor. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right. Now, I have, I have some few announcements here regarding uh, tithes and offerings. Uh, if you or when you decide to give to this ministry so that we can continue with the word of God, continue ministering, continue the labor of love. Please know that there are three ways that you can give or you can bless this ministry. First, by Zell. Zell transfer. The number is 571-234-2387. Zell transfer, 571-234-2387. What you need to look for is World Missions Ministries. On Zelle. You can also do that by PayPal. And for PayPal, you can visit www.wmmchurch.org and click on the donate button. If you decide to give by check, the check can be mailed to World Missions Ministry 6805 East Clinton, C L I N T O N Street. Clinton, Maryland, 20735, 20735, that is the zip code. Now, um, I believe there are some few more announcements over here. Um, Dr. Anthony, I think, I think that's about it. All right, so with that, I think we come to the end of the online service today. Again, on behalf of Dr. Anthony Texan, our senior pastor, I thank you all for joining us in fellowship today. I hope you've been blessed. Shalom. Amen.